Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. I never meant to call you Seven years ago today, we lost Prince. And when the L.A. Lakers have won at times, it's been referred to as a purple rain. We are in Crypto.com Arena. The Edmonton Oilers and the Los Angeles Kings. I would I would suggest to you that Prince would be, for me, top four all time. I'll go uh, Tragically Hip, U2, The Police, and Prince. Those would top four all time for me. You can text us on our Ashley Fine Flores text line. I mean, it speaks a little bit to my age, but I'm digging those guys. Uh, Welcome back, everybody. We are in Crypto.com Arena. You can keep texting us on the Ashley Five Floors text line. I'll get to a couple more texts a little bit later on, but at this time, we're going to go off to the River Cree Resort and Casino Hotline at 136. And joining us for GCL Diesel, providing genuine diesel parts and turbochargers at great prices since 1972. It's GCLDiesel.com. We welcome back to the show Sportsnet color analyst Louis DeBrusque. Hello, Louis. How are you doing? Doing well today, Bob. How are you doing? Good. Top four. All time for you, music-wise. Who do you like? Oh, too many to choose from. I like way too much music, to be honest. But uh, I, I agree with you. Let's say top ten Prince is certainly in there. Um, I like Pink Floyd. Boys yeah. like Pink Floyd. I, I don't know. I, I have a very uh, wide range of music that I like, so I, it's hard for me to narrow it down. No favorites, though. Didn't you see Eddie, Eddie better in the boys early in their career at one time? Yep, I did. Yeah, Pearl Jam, when they were first starting to come up and they weren't yet selling out big buildings, and they were fantastic. And it was a, I think it'd be very similar to watching a young hockey player, to be honest with you, like a Connor Bedard. We're watching Connor Bedard right now do what he's done um, at his level right now as a young player before he's even been drafted. But we all kind of know this guy's going to be something special. And yeah. it's just a matter of taking that next step. And when I went and saw Pearl Jam with my buddy Scott Palmer, who was the guy that convinced me to go see him, and I'm glad he did. Um, it was pretty. Uh, it was pretty amazing. We walked out of that concert and went. That band's going to be huge. And within a year, they were selling out the giant stadiums. You know, you uh, two played at uh, the Students Union Building in the University of Alberta, right before they were anything. Yeah, there you go. That, that's one of the legendary stories out there as well. Uh, Louis DeBras for GCL Diesel, providing genuine diesel parts and turbochargers, great prices since 1972. I got to ask you this, Louis. You got a job to do. You know, you're, you're broadcast, you do the Oilers uh, regional, you do the Oilers national, you're working with Hunter Ryan tonight. Tell me the truth. How tough is it when Jake's playing the game earlier than you? He's playing for the Boston Bruins. Your son's, you know, he's another real good season this year. It's got to be a tough thing, isn't it? It is. It is. It's getting easier as the years go on, though, I will say that. So it's getting a little bit easier, but there's no question it could be distracting. And, uh, you know, for me, it's all about um, just uh, – trying to put it aside to be honest uh, I don't uh, pay too much attention to it it's it's not that much before the game so it's typically when I'm getting ready to go to the arena so I'll catch a little bit of the first period and then after that I kind of shut it off and I'll watch it after I'm done doing my job and that's kind of how I've done it so I don't mind watching the game you know post game to kind of flick through it and watch it the way I want to watch it quiet and 
that's just how I've done it. But uh, I do get updates, though. <laughs> it's, uh, you know, people will send me texts and updates, and some days I choose to look at them, and some days I choose not to if I'm pretty into the game that I'm doing. But uh, that's kind of how I do it. It seems to be working for me. But it is tough. I'll admit it would be, it'd be nice to have him on off days, and for whatever reason, his game seemed to be on the nights that I'm doing games. But that's just the way it's worked out. Uh, what's it been like down at ice level sharing space down? Is there enough room for both of you guys down there, or what's the deal? It was just me. There was nobody was else down you. there. They, oh, so. they, uh, Ryan Callahan was supposed to be down there with ESPN, but um, we tried to forewarn him that there wouldn't be a whole lot of sight lines, and they agreed and decided to move him back up to the booth. Well, my money was on you against Ryan Callahan. <laughs> yeah, he was a gritty player, don't get me wrong, but he would have been stepping up to the heavyweight division if he would have been trying to trying to jostle me for a position down there. But uh, you know what? Honestly, it's a luxury to be on that bench. It is on the Oilers' bench, and that's what you have to realize is it's a privilege to be there. They allow us to be there. Yeah. And uh, it's the best seat in the house, though, Bob. i got to tell you, it's just amazing being at that level, watching what these guys do on a nightly basis, and I love it. And, you know, I, I will admit, again, I've always said this, you are going to miss some of the development in the play because you're not right on top of it. You're not looking at it from afar. And But I think what makes up for that is the fact you're in the excitement. I got hit with three sticks in the first period in game one, which is a is a record for me. I usually don't get hit with three sticks in a whole season. But And uh, it was funny, Quentin Byfield came over and apologized to me for hitting me with the one stick. And I was like, are you kidding me? I'm in your world. Trust me. I know what I have to do to kind of stay out of your way, and I'll try as much as possible. I handed Ayafalo back his stick that was in the Oilers bench. And, uh, you know, but that's part of being right down there in the mix is you have to have your head in a swivel. You have to be aware 100% of the time or else you're going to take something that you don't want to take, a stick, a puck, an elbow. And uh, if you're not alert, then you, you could get hurt. So that's why you're kind of on your toes and you keep your, to be honest, you keep your broadcast to a minimum. It's about uh, what's in front of you, what's happening right now, and, I love it. Some guys hate it. It's amazing. A lot of guys don't like being down there because you do miss some things, because you're kind of in that intensity for the duration of the game. But for me, I just feel it keeps me on my toes, and that's a good thing. Just think, Louie, in about seven years from now when you're retiring, you can write a book, all the stuff I heard that I couldn't say. (laughs) You must hear some good stuff. I'll honestly tell you this, though. You don't hear a lot. You know how loud it is in that building. Just take your headset off. Take your headset off in, in, in any whistle, break, or anything, and tell me how much you're hearing, And especially when you're down in the middle of that bowl. Uh, it is overwhelming how loud it is. Now, people are screaming back and forth. Uh, most of the time, I'm kind of grabbing my mic and moving back just so that it doesn't pick up anything that might be getting back and forth. The, the great thing about that position now, it's so common for the players to understand there's an analyst and there's a reporter right there. Um, yeah. in between the benches. They know it's there. Sometimes they use it to their advantage if they want something to be heard, if they want to you know, stir the pot a little bit and they want to get, you know, make that be known. But for the most part, um, let's just say the, the going back and forth isn't quite as often as it used to be before that position was there. Uh, I think that you're under a microscope now. I think you have to obviously be very careful what you say. Um, there's, you, there's, you can't get away with anything, to be honest with you, as far as you shouldn't be able to. I think that you know, for the most part, I love that bickering back and forth. I love the gamesmanship. I love trying to get into the skin of the opponent. You do it the right way, I'm all for it. Do it as much as you want. Um, but you cross the line, and you don't get away with that anymore, and rightfully so. Louie, when you played, 
who were the best speakers back in the day? Who could really oh. like you? You had a huge rivalry with McSorley. Yeah. Obviously, Marty had gone to L.A. His first couple of years in L.A., he he didn't fight like he you know he didn't fight. Uh, the orders went and got Dave Brown, and Dave Brown was a killer, yeah. cold blooded assassin. And Marty didn't fight him in in eighty nine ninety. He did fight him in the ninety one playoffs and did quite well against Dave Brown. Uh, but yeah, so was, big and strong, Mar- right? And he could fight all day. Was Marty a talker? Were there some other guys who were really good at it? Marty was really good. Marty was good, though, in the heat of the battle. And he, he kind of let his physicality do the talking for him. And, and if, if I had to be honest, don't get me wrong, he wasn't afraid to chirp you in the boxes. Um, after you'd fought, like in, in between the penalty boxes, there was some chirping that would go on there. But as far as that chirping, he kind of, you know, he did his talking on the ice. You know, in the battle. It wasn't like flying by the bench. He wasn't doing it for show. That was what I'm trying to say. He did it for a purpose, and he was very, very good at it. And, you know, he was one of the best at it, in my opinion. The guys for me were, you know, the smaller, more agitator roles, the Actons, the Lindsmans. You know, there were certain guys around the league that just knew they would try and get under your skin and they would chirp. And uh, But I think everybody had a little bit of that in them. Every single guy on that bench wasn't afraid to jump up and give it back to a guy coming up. I mean, coming over to the bench or skating by on a flyby and saying something. And uh, it, was, it was really that kind of team mentality of getting on board. Let's just all get involved here. But there were certainly some legendary chirpers that, uh, <laughs> you know, we all know who they are. You know all the names from the years. But um, a lot of times they were better at doing that than anything else. We're joined by Louis DeBrus. So, are, just to confirm, are you down there tonight, or are you back up in uh, the, the the visiting radio or t- TV and radio spots tonight? Up in the booth. Not enough booth. room here. Not I have done a here. series here. The first series out uh, LA Vegas. Vegas' first series in the league in the playoffs. Uh, they swept the Kings actually in four that year. And Ray Ferrer and I did the the games from between the benches in LA. The two games that we did in LA, and it was a little tight. <laughs> Ray will tell you some stories about that, about it being, uh, you know, pretty, uh, pretty uh, snug in the booth, so, so to speak. But uh, we made it work. But obviously, they've they've sold those seats there now. They have those those luxury yes. seats they have around in between the benches, and they just don't open it up as much. It's a very small space again, only for one person. All right, Louis. So, what are you seeing down on ice level through the first two games? Are there some consistent themes between the two teams? Uh, and the obvious yeah. one is is LA's uh, neutral zone play and the fact that Edmonton started out quickly. But maybe you can highlight some things from your end. Well, speaking of that neutral zone play, though, it's impressive to me that it hasn't really affected Edmonton. You look at the goals that LA scored against Edmonton. It's not because of the one-three-one. Edmonton has navigated through that one-three-one fairly efficiently and easily, in my opinion, in games one and two. Um, so that in itself is something that we expected to be a problem. There was We expected there to be more turnovers and more transitional play from the Kings. And don't get me wrong, it's led to a, few, a little bit of that, but not to the extent that I expected to. I thought in the first period where Edmonton came out and dominated in game number two, and I mean absolutely dominated that period in every facet of the word, um, they, they had, I believe, eight to ten possession entries into the zone. Which that's what the one three one is supposed to deter. It's supposed to deter possession entries. It's to force you to chip a puck in, to dump a puck in for a defenseman who's the last guy in that stance to go back and make a quick play out of the zone. Bang! You're going back the other way. And the one thing that I've noticed that the Los Angeles Kings do, and they do it really, really well, is their forwards take off. 
They take off and they get up to the ice. They're exploding at that far blue line, the offensive blue line, and the defense of the Los Angeles Kings have been very good at getting that puck up there in a hurry. And Edmonton, on the flip side, I think has adjusted and done very well to be ready for that. It's been a very fast series, Bob, in my opinion. I think quicker than it even looks maybe on TV, the fact that these pucks are turning over. It's the recoveries, the backtracking, the checking of both sides. L.A. coming into this series was known as being one of the best checking teams in the NHL. And Todd McCollin even talked about it. This is our identity. This is what we do. This is what we've been preaching for years here. And this is the way we play the game. And they don't deviate from that. Edmonton, in my opinion, over the course of the last month and a half, especially this season, has started to morph into that kind of a team where the backtracking, the stick-checking, the collapsing in the defensive zone, uh, all of that, they're matching that checking ability, you know, stick for stick, so to speak, with L.A. and why they've been very close games. And for the most part, I would say Edmonton, Edmonton has been the better team for close to five periods out of the six-and-a-half we've seen. Louis, I don't I think anybody ask you, would argue that. Louie, i got to ask you this. Uh, they're just doing the ice here. Man, it's uh, it's getting chillier here right now, let me tell you, the broadcast. It'll uh, warm up as the game goes. It'll warm up. It is chilly. In that there. ain't going to help me in the next hour and well, ten minutes, well, Louie. And, and I'll tell you what they do, what they do, Bob, because the Clippers are playing, the Lakers are playing, yep, the Kings yep. are playing, and there's a lot of activity in Crypto.com right now. They pump that air conditioning a little extra to get the ice going. I oh, truly yeah. believe they do. I don't know that for sure, but you can feel it when you walk in there. Oh, and whatever man. it is where the broadcast booths are, it seems like those big, huge vents they have there, it's coming right down on you. So you feel it more than anybody, but I will say as the game goes on, it does get warmer in there, so it gets right. a little more tolerable. It, yeah, it, it, and hey, it's, it's, it's about the players, and we never forget that at all. It, it's about the players. Uh, a couple more things for you, Louie. Just... We're, we're two games in a series. LA's had 10 power plays. Edmonton's had four. I, I think Edmonton's yeah. probably earned eight or nine. I want to get your thoughts, because you, you were closer to it than me. The day RNA play, do you think they call that if that's Drew Doughty back there and he turns around and swings his stick in overtime like that and I gets do. a piece of the guy? Do you think that's a penalty? I do. Or is that a, yeah? And, okay. I, and listen, and there, it was a, here's the thing. It's because of the, it's the action. It's a, it's a guy falling down, and he literally pendulum swings his stick around and makes contact with the skate. Now, do I think that took down Lazat? No, I don't. I think what Lazat was doing, if you watch the replay, now I've watched it a few times now. In first take, though, you make contact with the opposing player, and he goes down. He goes down a little bit after that. And in the process of trying to avoid that stick and also avoid the broken stick that's on the ice, because he's kind of shuffling his feet not to yeah. step on that broken stick, is why he falls. But in, in, in real life, in fast motion, I'm sorry, like, all they see is this big stick coming around like a pendulum, and it, and it makes contact. It does make contact with him. So it's just the action. I'm sorry it's the action, but I agree with you. That penalty, the tripping penalties, the, the stick infractions, high sticking, Kane, Bouchard, tripping to Dreisaitl, tripping to Kane. They have shot themselves in the foot when it comes to penalties. So it is 10 to 4 penalties in favor of the Kings. And do I think they've missed some calls of the Kings? Absolutely. They missed a slew foot on Iafalo on Kane, no question about it. Uh, in game number one, it was blatant right in front of an official, didn't get called. Uh, they missed another one by Iafalo where he reached back and took down Fogel in the neutral zone with iron out, elbow or a, high, a, a butt end, whatever you want to call it. But you can't just do that. They missed a left hook against DeHarnay, okay, in game number two. I mean, literally, they allowed the player, I can't remember who it was now, if DeHarnay played him hard, it was Iafalo again. 
Yeah. And Iofalo did a left hook and literally punched him right in the head. Um, I've always felt those are the calls that they they do call, that they should call. A retaliatory penalty. Did DeHarnay land heavily on Iofalo? Absolutely did. He fell down and didn't try and resist when he fell down on him. That's playoff hockey. But Iofalo got mad, stood up, and literally turned around and threw a left hand to a six foot seven player and made contact in the head. The fact they didn't call that. It was a little questionable. I, I looked at that and was like, okay, that's maybe one you could have called there. If you're going to call the undisciplined on the other side, you better call the undisciplined on yeah. L.A.'s side as well. Now, in saying that, there hasn't been a lot. They've let a lot go both ways. And like you said, I think the penalties that Edmonton has been nailed for to this part of the series, they can clean up, and they need to clean up. One final one, and I'm going to throw a curveball at you, Louie, and it actually pertains to Boston and Florida. Florida got their act together late in the season. How much of a difference of a series is it without Patrice Bergeron? Piers is, though, for the first four games. Well, I would tell you um, Boston's a really deep team. I would tell you that Edmonton's a really deep team, but if you were to take Leon Dreisel or Connor McDavid out of the lineup, what would it do to the Edmonton Oilers? Yeah. They would change their team. It changes their team, no question about it. He is their leader. He's the guy that they look to. Anytime there's a big situation, number 37 is going to be on the ice every single time. So that in itself, you're missing a very, very important player. In saying that, he has missed some games down the stretch. He's been resting for a while. And anytime that he's been rested, they've had guys that have been able to step up and do the job and do it by committee. And we're going to have to do that again because he's not playing tonight. All right. Great stuff, Louie. Thanks for your time. All right, bud. You bet that is Louis DeBrus for GCL Diesel, providing genuine diesel parts and turbochargers at great prices since 1972. GCLDiesel.com. And Royal Pizza, pizza, pasta, and so much more. Edmonton owned and operated for 50-plus years, and they're still making it great. Get the new Canadian Club pizza with ham, chicken, bacon, ranch, and fresh tomatoes. Visit royalpizza.ca. Bob Stoffer, Brendan Escott with you. We're going to take a quick timeout, come back with some of your texts on the Ashley Fine Floors text line. It's 153 at Edmonton, and you're listening to Oilers Now. Welcome back, everybody. Bob Stoffer, Brendan Escott joining you. It's 156 in Edmonton. Michael Noto helping us out here down in SoCal. We said you can text us 780-496-0063, the Ashley Five Floors text line. Um, Bob, it's no coincidence that L.A. non-calls are against two of the most physical players on the Oilers, Evander Kane and Vincent D'Arnais. It supports your con- uh, contention that refs do punish uh, the Oilers' aggressive play. Well, Edmonton's been the more aggressive team. They've deserved... Uh, they deserve uh, the penalties. I think the penalties should be 10-7, not 10-4. Okay, This texter goes, ah, Bob, you're dwelling on the same thing. The owners are getting shafted. Why don't they just hand the Stanley Cup to McDavid right now? You just got DeBrus approval on your complaints. Well, I, no, I'm, I, what I'm saying here is 10-4 is a little odd through the first two games when Edmonton's dramatically outshot Los Angeles. Okay? They have outshot the Kings. Think about it if the power plays were even what the shots would be because Edmonton's got a pretty good power play. It's only the greatest in NHL history, but it doesn't mean that I'm right. That's the beauty of the situation. Uh, Bob, 35 years ago, Wayne Gretzky scored that clapper over Mike Vernon's shoulder. I sent something magical coming from Connor McDavid tonight. We'll call Crypto.com. 
Crypto Arena or Crypto Arena night because there'll be lots of tears in there. I don't know about that. Time will tell. Time will tell. I expect a completely different game. Um, completely different game from the LA Kings. We said, hey, give me your top uh, your top four. And I mentioned for me it would be U2, Tragically Hip, The Police, and Prince. Prince passing away seven years ago today. Uh, this texter says, Bob, I'll go metal, Metallica, rock, queen, pop, U2, country, Garth Brooks, opera, Luciano Pavarotti. And dance techno, and he's got a thumbs down for dance and techno. I'll tell you, you're a renaissance man. <laughs> like that's from former defenseman Mark. You're like a renaissance man of that list. Um, anyhow, keep it coming. You can text us on our Ashley Five Floors text line seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. It is the Edmonton Oilers, the L.A. Kings. Game number three tonight. When we come back, we'll hear from Connor McDavid and Jay Woodcroft. It's 158 Edmonton. We're going the extra hour on game days. Off to a global news weather traffic update with Randy Kilburn.